From inside Memorial Stadium in the Huskers Radio Network studio, it's time for the Sideline Scoop with our Husker great NFL vet, Big Red Analyst, Jeremiah Searles. Here's your host, Jessica Cooty. Welcome back into another episode of the Sideline Scoop with Searles, episode four. We're coming to you every single week now that we have kicked this thing off. Jeremiah, you uh, have been pouring over the film. Uh, I know disappointing, not what this team wanted. You've, uh, you know, look, got the all 22s and yep. you, you've uh, poured over it. So uh, what kind of stood out to you? So I've noticed that I'm basically the same person I was as a player. Well, I can't <laughs> stop watching the film until I've figured out all. What's, I mean, I've watched the entire game now four times. All and you got offense, it all figured out. All defense. And I think I have it all figured out. I mean, the hard part for me is I don't have the answer key. Mm-hmm. Right When you're a player, you have the, this was the defense that was called, or this was the play that was called, and this is how it should be run. So a lot of for me is kind of reading between the lines of like, okay, I, I identify this concept, I identify this scheme, and I think I know what's going on. But for the most part, I don't have all the answers, but I think I've watched it enough times now that I've got a fairly good grasp on what went wrong and what went right. So let's start there then. Let's start with the positive. What were some of the big positives that kind of jumped out to you when you were diving into the film? Yeah, so the biggest positive for me is the last two years when you stack us up, we talked about in the pod, Illinois beat us up physically and we won one and lost one. I thought we stacked up physically very well against a Big Ten opponent, if not on the defensive side, a little bit better. And so I think... I think physically this team's in the right spot. I don't think this is a team that's going to get pushed around by anyone in the Big Ten. I don't think this is a team that could get pushed around physically anyone in the country. Now that going said, we now need to execute better. But I think that was a big physical that I took away, or a big positive that I took away from this game. Another big positive that I took away is I think our receiving core can be very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Oliver Martin was the only one that had 100-plus yards receiving, but there's some missed opportunities on the field for big plays based on whether it's protection issue or whether Adrian might have just been a late on the throw but there's a lot of opportunities for big plays in the game and that's another big positive and then the other thing too I think our defensive line is very good as advertised I think that Mm -hmm. they had a lot of hype coming into the game they had a lot of people saying yeah you guys are going to be really really good and I think they lived up for the most part to that expectation all right let's let's talk negatives um what needs to be fixed Offensive line play, number one, obviously for me, is we did not protect well enough. Scott said it in his post game. I think Greg Austin would be the first one to tell you, too, it just wasn't good enough. And we didn't get enough vertical push in the run game. And a lot of people have come up to me this week and said, man, yeah, they just the, – the defense played something different for them. They just didn't have it figured out. For me, I understand some of that. But also there's a part of me that goes, you should have plays – that you can just line up and that it doesn't matter if they're lined up in six two five two three four four three red yellow green I, I don't care we should just be able to have some physical dominance over the other opponent and that's what I didn't see from Nebraska's offensive line for a lot of the run game portion was just who cares what the scheme's called I'm just going to beat up the dude who's in front of me I don't care if it's a linebacker or a lineman but I wanted to see more of the, I'm bigger than you, I'm tougher than you, I'm stronger than you. I don't care if I tell you for lining up and running it right here. We're going to, because we got pushed around a little bit in the run game. So, so let me ask you this then, because um, I, I know you felt like the talent was going to be there. Mm-hmm. Is it uh, something where you think that that's a line that can do what you're talking about, that you know maybe they're, you, you've got some young pieces and a lot of players that have not played a lot together, still kind of gelling and clicking can that be something that will continue to improve each week? I think it will because when you look at it as a whole, it wasn't like all five guys every single play were getting beat. 
it was one guy here, one guy there, and everyone took their turn. Don't get me wrong. There was no guy that I think graded out very highly in the run game for all five of those guys because the only way you have a successful run game is when you have all five guys or maybe all seven guys if you want to include the tight ends and the running backs on the same page. And it always seemed like one guy fell off a block late or one tight end just missed on the back block because instead of practice now you got to cut this guy and it's real life speed, right? So I think that we're not far away from taking the next step in the run game. But I think the biggest thing is our mindset in the run game from a physicality standpoint of who cares what's called will make the coach right. I think that's something that really needs to be looked at as I don't care if this dude called a play that looks great in the 3-4 and they came out in a 4-3. Let's make him right because we're going to eject this defensive tackle into the linebacker's lap. We're going to displace this linebacker out of his gap so there's a seam. And I think the more of that we can take on our shoulders as offensive linemen is the better that this run game can be because biggest question going into this game is the running back, and I still think the biggest question going into game two is who's the running back. Right? I mean, I don't think anyone really separated themselves from the pack this last game. Yeah, so both of you and I guessed wrong. We both <laughs> thought it was going to be uh, Savion Morrison. We didn't play at all, by yeah. the way. <laughs> yeah. So we were, yeah, we mean, were really we're wrong. We're super good at our job. Uh, it was Gabe Irvin who becomes the uh, first true freshman to start at running back for Nebraska in, in the modern era. Um, what did you kind of see from him in his debut? He ran like a, he ran like a high school running back. He ran high. He didn't put his. He didn't fall forward. He didn't run behind his pads. Is what I like to say. Where into contact, you're leaning into it. I thought he just ran very high, which is something you got to learn to do in college. Mm-hmm. Is learn how to run against college defenders, and you saw that when Marquis Step came in. He has a lot of experience running the football in college football. He ran behind his pads. He was physical at the point of attack. I thought he really got in there. Where both these guys struggled, and you and I talked about this, was pass protection. Mm -hmm. There was a couple blitzes that they completely blew whiffs on. And again, I don't have the answer, so I don't know if it was supposed to be an empty or if it was supposed to be this running back check to the flat and we throw hot. But usually the tall tale sign is when the running back releases and the blitzer comes and the quarterback doesn't look at the running back to throw the hot route, probably wasn't supposed to be a hot route. So that both those guys really struggled in some blitz pickups, and one of them actually led to the Adrian long run, but we still need to pick those blitzes up. Uh, so, so let's talk about, we, we heard some um, comments from coaches about being consistent in practice. That's mm-hmm. what earned you playing time on Saturday, and which you know was a comment I think made about Sevion, mm-hmm. a couple of the wide receivers, why they did not get out on the field as much maybe as what they had originally hoped was because they weren't as consistent in practice as some other guys. What, what do you make of that? It's a trust thing. You got to trust your coaches and your coaches got to trust you to go do the right thing. When there's live bullets flying, if you do something wrong or you do something wrong or something that can maybe lead to someone getting hit really, really bad in a turnover, catastrophic type things because you're not in the right spot because a lot of it is you don't know what to do. And so I think what happened was when Scott started to see, hey, our game plan is going to completely change here. Like what we install and what we practice, we're going to have to run back and just be able to open the playbook up a little bit. Did he trust these guys to be able to understand, hey, maybe we didn't practice this all week, but we practiced it in week three at camp. Do you remember? Do you understand? Will you be able to go out there and execute? And so I think that's a lot of what happened is you saw some guys that were probably just memorizing the game plan and not necessarily understanding of all the conceptual pieces of what the offense needs to do. And so when that went all went down, I think that some of these guys just weren't 
trusted to go in and do what they needed to do and do it at a high level. And so I think that's a little bit of what happened of why some of these guys, I mean, I think, again, Savion Morrison, a guy like uh, Betts comes to mind that we wanted to see a little bit more of. And you just think, where did these guys go? I mean, where what happened? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing that happened with that. You mentioned the defense and the defensive line and, and that they were uh, solid. Give me your MVP of uh, the game against Illinois on the defensive side of the ball. Ooh, that's a great question. I think my MVP would have to be Daniels in the middle. Mm-hmm. I think he played extremely well. He that's a Doug Kramer Jr. for the Illini is a center that will play in the NFL next year. And I think he did a really nice job against him. And the biggest thing I was super surprised with or – not surprised, but excited to see was his effort level and his conditioning level. A big guy like that you think you can kind of wear out as the game goes on. But I think he wore out their center a little bit. He was running sideline to sideline. He was moving laterally great. He was physical at the point of attack. And he was a guy that obviously have we've raved about through camp. Guy made captain. I mean, he's taken a huge jump since last year. And that was really good to see because when you run the three, four odd scheme that we run, you have to have a dominant nose guard. So excited to see where his side, because his arrow's only pointed up right now. All right, let's uh, move into this week because, again, Fordham coming in, but it's, it's not about Fordham. It's no. going to be about what Nebraska does. First of all, um, how important is it to remember that as as disappointing as that game was and as big as you know it was made out to be and, and as much as it, good as it would have been to get a, a win out of the gate, how important is it to close that door and remember that it is only one game and it's a long season? Yeah, I mean, I've fallen into the trap multiple times this week of feeling like it's week four or five because it's conference play mm-hmm. and we're breaking down a conference opponent game, right? It's week two. A lot of people are going to stumble out the gate this week because of week one. And I think that because we were the only people that really seemed to stumble on ourselves last week, it got blown out. But, I mean, you're going to see a lot of teams this week in week one that really just kind of step on their own toes as they do things. And big games this weekend. But the ability to shut that and move forward is extremely important. And and here's what I've been telling most people all week is I'm willing – to give this team the benefit of the doubt that they will get things fixed. I think it's very easy for us to fall into the idea that, oh man, last year, it's here we go again. It's the same thing that happened to us last year. We're going to do it all over again this year. I'm I'm personally going to say, you know what? This is a new team with new leaders, with new players, and I'm going to give this team, the 2021 Huskers, the benefit of the doubt that they're going to get all that stuff fixed and move forward. They got about three weeks to prove to me that they can do that, but at this moment in time, I'm willing to believe that they're going to be able to shut that door, learn from their mistakes, and move forward with it, unlike they've been able to do the last few years. Well said. Um, what about, um, you know, with Fordham, this is a game that a, a lot of teams would have liked to have opened up mm. with, right, as opposed to Illinois. But um, Nebraska should win, should take care of business to get some backups, some experience, uh, the quarterback, a, a lot of guys in here to get, get a game under their belt. How important is that? It's extremely important, and we talked a little bit about it on a Big Red wrap-up on Tuesday night, but I think the biggest thing is you have to evaluate talent when it's a real live game. You can only evaluate talent so much in practice. I mean, you're seeing them go against the same guys, and maybe it's the twos versus the twos, or the threes versus the threes. You're not watching your twos versus another team's ones. Whether it's FCS, Big Ten, SEC, It doesn't matter. Those are that team's ones. They've earned the starting position in college football. So you want to see, can my depth come in and play well against their ones, regardless of what it is, offense and defense? And that just helps for your development of your players. 
It helps for the development of your program and it helps for really just everything moving forward. And I can remember back when I played, again, I'm sorry, I know I say that a lot, <laughs> but we would have games where we were out by halftime and then you watched all your young guys play. And then two, three years later, after I had left Nebraska, I'm watching those young guys that got those meaningful reps back in when they were freshmen playing against Idaho State or South Dakota State or whatever it is now starting because they've had some experience now it's not the shell shock like oh man it's my first time on the field they've played quarter here a quarter there a half here to where they finally get a chance to be the true starter it's not all brand new to them it's so much more than just oh we beat up on a team it, it really trickles down for years for the development of your program and your players First time in uh, two years, the stadium's mm. going to be full again. You were here working, did some mm -hmm. pregame stuff, and, I mean, you said how eerie it was. Um, how special is it this place going to be rocking again? Oh, I can't wait. I love the fact that it's sold out. I think that's phenomenal for our kids because – a lot of these guys are young players that played as freshmen last year have never experienced a full Memorial Stadium since the recruiting visit. So the get back in front of Husker Nation is what makes this place so special. I mean, it's top. I've played in a lot of places, college and the NFL. There's no place like here. And I know that's a cliche saying, but it's so true. The fans, the atmosphere, everything is so awesome. And so to get a chance to run through that tunnel, the tunnel walk going and I play for Nebraska across the top of that cement as you run out and you see the Husker fateful 90,000 strong will give them these guys so much juice and so much confidence and I hope they can come out and just overwhelm Fordham which is how well they play and a lot of that will be from the support from Husker Nation. All right we're doing this every week uh, give us some players to watch offense defense. Yeah I think the biggest thing for the two players for me to watch on offense this week are going to be the two guards Ethan Piper and Mitch Schichterman they struggled last week against a good front. I mean, don't get me wrong, Roderick Perry from Illinois is going to play in the NFL next year. Irvin's probably going to play in the NFL next year. But that was really their first chance of Big Ten play. How do they bounce back? They had some good plays. They had some not-so-good plays. How do they put a consistent game together up front? Because you need your two starting guards if you want to be a running football team and really get things going. I think Phil Darius Payne on defense is a guy that had two sacks last week. Can he build on that performance? Can this guy have two multiple sack games put together? I think he's a really dynamic pass rusher for us, and he's really a guy that can do a lot of things up front as well. All right, we'll be looking forward to it. And uh, Jeremiah and I will be on uh, Facebook Live 90 minutes out yes. this week, starting at 9.30. We had over 100,000 views. I think every state covered last week uh, for the, the opener and at And you Illinois. will be able to hear us this time. Yes. I promise. We, we, we apologize for the audio <laughs> issues off the top, but that will not be an issue this week. But we'll be down on the field taking you through warm-ups, uh, the band, the tunnel walk, all of mm. it. So uh, tune in, Facebook Live, 9.30. And uh, that will do it for this episode of the Sideline Scoop with Searles. We'll be back next week with another one. Thanks for listening.